Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Tonight we've got a very, very special guest. Uh, Pastor Nick Clarson and his wife Jackie will be ministering to us. Um, they were, he was born again in 1980. That was before, before what, when I was still in God's heart and mind. <laughs> And this was in Sokopmund in a full gospel church. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, he was, he's an ordained pastor. They've been married for 38 years. And uh, they've got, yeah, amen. Nowadays, that's like a huge deal. And um, they've got two sons. And he's the grandfather of one granddaughter and one grandson. And uh, he's also a church planter. They've planted a church before. So, you know, they're really settling in. And they've recently just come to, to be part of our family. And their children are, are part of the children's church as well. And then he's an ex-banker. Huh? From NetBank. <laughs> Amen. And then he's left that life now. <laughs> And um, now he's very much involved with training and leadership development and impartation to fathers and really building communities. And in our nation, this is critical because fathers are really bleeding. And we need those of us who have gone before us to be able to rise and say, let somebody bring in the soldiers and begin to rebuild homes and families. Amen. So we really want to honor you, Pastor Nick and Jackie. I know that you are the intercessor behind this great, <laughs> and so we really want to honor you for that, and we welcome you, we open up our hearts to you to receive from you tonight, amen, so won't you come, just stretch forth your hands to him as we, as we pray, Father, we thank you, Lord God, we thank you, God, that it is by your grace, Lord, that we are able to receive, Lord, what you've imparted in, into Pastor Nick. And Father, we thank you that your word will not return void, but will deeply accomplish that for which you have sent it for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Pastor Chris and the leadership, thank you so much for this opportunity to share an eight-hour presentation in one hour. <laughs> yeah, as Pastor Chris said, um, I worked in the bank for many, many years, 33 years, the last 25 years in NetBank. I was also a pastor for, since 1998. Um, I planted a church called Lighthouse Community Church, and then we merged with Commerce Community Church, I resigned from NetBank in 2013 to become sort of a full-time pastor for two years. And then 2016 was a sort of a sabbatical for me. And then we started with the movement called the World Needs a Father Movement, where we go through Namibia and also parts of South Africa where we train men to become better men. So th that is the core of my ministry. I also belong to uh, Pastor Denny. He's the senior pastor of Gospel Care Ministry and his wife. He's my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. So I, I also form part of their ministry. It's a, it's a mobile ministry where we go through uh, the small towns in Namibia. We preach to the elderly people, and then we hand out food parcels to them. I'm also part of the African Leadership Institute and the Haggai Institute. But it's not about me tonight. 
what I'm going to share tonight with you is so, so vital. You see, the biggest problem in Namibia is not HIV AIDS, it's not poverty, it's fatherlessness. And um, tonight I'm going to take you through, are you ready for me? It's the technology. All right. Let's see if it, yeah, 100%. Okay, this is just my, my wife. The greatest crisis for men is the absence uh, of fatherhood role models. There's, there's a huge problem. There's a lot of males, but there's not a lot of men. So the problem is that we want to bring men to the rightful place. Men cannot deliver what he never had. So we put men into positions and we want men to perform as fathers without the proper training. There's no manual for a man. So we need to train and we need to equip men. We demand from men what they cannot give. And what do you do when your earthly father was a failure? Many fathers today are having an identity crisis which results in women with identity crisis, trying to be both mothers and fathers. And that's the biggest problem in Namibia and worldwide. This leads to children who grew up with identity crisis. Okay? And they are confused about their genders and roles within their own families. So there's a gender issue if the father is not in the house. Or let me, let me rephrase it. The father is in the house, but the father is absent. The absent present father in the house. That's also a fatherless uh, issue. Now, I'm not here tonight to condemn the man. The scripture is very clear. There is therefore no, con no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had, has, ma had, uh, has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the presentation tonight is not to condemn you, but to help you, to reposition you, to stand in a position to be in line and in sync with the will and the ways of God. Amen. Amen. If you are not in sync with the will and the ways of God, there's another spirit in you that will lead you into a different path. So it's important for us that we, that we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. To be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. Does it make sense? To be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. I don't have any memory of my father. And I will tell you my story at the end. I only reconciled with my father at the age of 50 years. I'm 60 now. So to be in your children's memories, I don't have any memory of a father playing with me or, or taking me to the beach or confirm or affirm me. I don't have any memories. I only have memories of stepfathers, but no memory of a real father. So, the scripture is very clear. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So, it's, 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 it's so important that the hearts of the fathers must be reconciled, as the scripture is very clear, this translation. 
and you shall turn. So if you turn, there must also be a reconciliation. Okay, so, uh, you, uh, and you shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to the ungodly children and the hearts of the rebellious children to the piety of the, of the fathers, a reconciliation produced by repentance of the ungodly, lest I come and smite the land with a curse and a ban of utter destruction. There's a curse if the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the sons are not in sync. They must be in line. They must be connected. Now, what is the purpose of the world needs a father? We want to restore fatherhood in a fatherless generation since the family is the cornerstone of society. The solution for societal transformation should start there in the family, not in the church, not with the government, not in the Sunday school, but in the family. Okay? And hence the importance of a father to take the role as the priest in the family. The cry of the children. Let me take you through some research. If you look at that picture, that's the typical child in Africa. There's a problem in Africa with the youth because there's no fathers. There's no role models. And if we do not, if we do not reveal the father heart to our young people, this is our future. And I'm serious. Look what happened up north and west in, in Africa, in all the other countries uh, in the world, because there's no fathers, the Ishmael spirit will take over. And we need the Isaac spirit to take over. Amen. So this is, this is the orphan mentality of the Ishmael spirit. And hence the importance for men to take up their rightful positions in the houses. The biggest issue in the world, research in many countries over the last five years has shown that dysfunctional family life is the biggest problem in the world. It's not money. In Namibia, we do not have a problem with money. We do not even have a problem with resources. But we have a problem with dysfunctional families. Fatherlessness is at the center of the problem. Four primary global concerns. In some countries, unemployment, drugs, and violence were added to this list. There's a lack of moral values. There's no more values. If I ask you tonight, what is your, what is your value system for your family? If I go to your children, can I ask them, what is the value system of your mom and dad? They will not be able to tell me. Because a value system is something that you, that you model. It's not something that you just put on a piece of paper, but it's something that you model. It's part of your character. It's part of your DNA. Education is a big problem. We had the CSE meeting here on Saturday morning. There's a lot of influence from outside into the educational system. Corruption is a big problem. You see, corruption is driven by fatherlessness. The moment you put a CEO or MD into a leadership position and he's an orphan, I can tell you that he will take whatever he wants and nobody will tell him because he's in charge. He operates in an orphan spirit. And that's the problem in Namibia. You can even pr predict the newspapers of tomorrow. Corruption, corruption. 
And the problem is not the individual, but it's the spirit. It's the spirit of fatherlessness in, 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 in our country. The problem is family. The structures and the values, they are no longer in our families. I mean, a couple of years ago, so many, many years ago, my son and his friend just walk into my house and the friend greet me, hi. So I was looking for the hi. <laughs> in my culture, you say, good morning, Uncle Nicky. Or, um Nicky. But, but nowadays, it's just high and high and high and high. So there's a problem in the family structure. Unemployment is a huge problem. But we can solve unemployment. Amen. If we put the right people in the positions, and I'm not a politician, okay? Drugs is a huge problem. Violence, we added to, to this list. Violence between men and uh, 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 men against women and children. It's a huge issue in our country. And the problem is fatherlessness. So the church, we cannot have church. Just clap hands and, and speaking in tongues. We need to be strategic in our prayers. We need to pray governmental prayers. We need to shift our focus now. There's, it, 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 it's a huge thing in our country. It's not a matter of just, now I speak in tongues and somebody interpreted. No, we need to go. There's a, there's a real world outside the four walls of this church. They know something wrong with the technology. Okay. Men commit 90% of major crimes. Men commit nearly 100% of rapes. Nowadays, ladies also rape men. It's a sick society. Men commit 95% of burglaries. Men commit 91% of offenses against the family. It's men. Men uh, comprise 94% uh, of drunken drivers. 63% of suicides comes, come from fatherless homes. As I said, it's not only the absence of fathers, but also the father that is present, but do not look after his child, or the father who is present who abuses his child. Way back a couple of years ago in my church, a father abused his son, 21 years old, and he committed suicide that evening. So where's the problem? I am the problem. I'm a man. Men, we are the problem. And we can rectify that. 70% of juvenile in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 40% of all children do not live with their biological fathers worldwide. It's a problem. 85% of children with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of children who do not finish school come from fatherless homes. Can you help me? Next slide, okay. This was the stats that I got in South Africa this year. I was there to, 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 to train lead leaders. 3,262 children aged between 10 and 14 gave birth in the past year in South Africa. Don't worry, it's the stats in Namibia. So if you can provide me with stats, I will be very, very glad. But look at that figure. 10 and 14 years, they are sexually active. This is stats that I received from Veronica Tron. She had a presentation with Calvin Isaacs. 
2,000 divorce cases every month in Namibia. Population of 2.1 million people. Most divorce cases is between September and October, Halloween. Mm -hmm. 60% of Namibia population is youth, 50% under 30 years. That's our focus. And most of them, they sit with father wounds and mother wounds. 60% of all children born in Komasdal is outside of marriage. A real man is one who courageously stands by his convictions in challenging times. What is your belief system? What do you believe in? What is your principles? What drives you? A real man is one who lifts the bar for himself and others from the mediocre to the level of nobility. So you lift the bar, you raise the standard. It's my responsibility as the father, uh, as the husband of Jackie, to raise the standard, to raise the bar. A real man takes up responsibility and executes it with sincere intentionality. A real man rejects passivity with energetic initiation and implementation. You cannot be passive. You cannot sit just in front of the TV or take your car and go hunt, go fishing. There's a challenge. There's an onslaught. So we cannot be passive. Man, we need you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. We need you. We need to start a trend of exemplary behavior. We will have to change the way we see manhood if we are the generation to change the stigma surrounding manhood. There's no respect for us as men. So we need to change that perception of manhood. And nobody else can change it for us. We as men, we must come together. We must meet together. We must pray together. We must ask God for strategy so that we can become the man. A father, this is the, four, the main four responsibilities of a father. Number one, a father establishes authority. Now you can imagine if there's no father figure in the house, there's no authority. A father confers identity and a father provides security and a father affirms potential. Amen. Now let me go into this. Matthew 3 verse 16. And Jesus, when he had been baptized, went up immediately out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, first. When Jesus was baptized, his father was there. His father was there. That's affirmation. That's the authority figure. Second, he made his presence felt by sending his spirit to, this, to descend like a dove in order to rest upon Jesus. There's a, 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 an a aroma, there's an energy that only a man can release in a house. You create the atmosphere in your house. If you walk into your house, you create a certain atmosphere. And the presence of God created an atmosphere. 
at the baptism of Jesus. Third, he made his presence known by speaking. And so what did he say? His statement corresponded with the giving of the Spirit in that the Father identified with his Son. He said, this is my Son. That is, that is affirmation. You can be present, but your Son wants to hear your voice. He wants to feel the touch. He wants to see your eyes. Okay? So God was present. He affirmed his son publicly. When last did you attend a soccer game of your son? A netball game of your, of your daughter? When last? I'm too busy. I, wo I worked in NetBank for 25 years. And I was a senior manager, and I walked up to my executive, and I told him, my son was at uh, academia, and I told him, every Wednesday afternoon, between three and four, I'm going to the rugby field. Yes. And then I worked in lunch, or I, I worked uh, uh, after five to compensate for that hour, because I want to be with my son. I also promised him if you go to the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, I will go with you. But unfortunately, he hurt his shoulder. He played for, for Western Suburbs. So it's important that you stand and you cheer. Come on, Kursi. Come on, Kursi. <laughs> Just go to, to, to the rugby. You will see the Tannis of El Natan. Come on, Aye. Come on, Aye. What about us? What about us? Fourth, he expressed his love for his son. This afternoon, my son woke up to me and he hugged me and he said, Daddy, I love you, I love you, I love you. You are the best, Daddy. My goodness. You cannot attach a monetary value to the love of your son. Amen. Amen. Right. The first thing we are told about the relationship of the father to the son is that the father thought his son was doing a great job. Amen. That's affirmation. Well done. You are my son. A father should have clarity of conviction. Know our father God's mission. Thank you. It's so important that you know the, the vision of God. The father transfers moral authority grounded in the absolute authority of the word of God. He must be filled by the spirit. Obey the, a purified, uh, obey the purified conscience. Avoids and confronts immoral activities. A father submits to accountability. You must submit to a local church, to a senior pastor, to a spiritual father, because you are a son. Amen. You must have a spiritual father in your life. He initiates the moral dance and assumes the disciplinary responsibility. There's a saying... The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Yes, in a sense, it's true. But what about you as men? We must also rock the cradle. Amen. The formation of a kingdom man is centered around the issues of alignment and submission. God never expected a man to act independently of him. Since the beginning of time, he created man to be accountable to him. So um, a kingdom man, a son of God, must be in alignment, in sync with God. It's very important. In Genesis 2, 7 to 17, God created Adam 
And then he created a garden specifically for Adam. Your house is a place of pleasure. Eden. There's a specific house for you. There's a specific uh, 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 woman for you. So there's a specific garden for you. And then God placed Adam in that specific garden. That's why you cannot move from garden to garden. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Sorry, I'm, I'm just straightforward. It's just part of my DNA. All right. Then God gave Adam a job and a purpose and a destiny to fulfill. Finally, God gave Adam instructions and commandments to live by. So before you go into your Eden with your Eve, you need to get instructions from God. Young men, you cannot just go into your paradise, into your place of pleasure unprepared. So we want to prepare you. When opportunity knocks, there's no time to prepare. So we, we must prepare the young men for a place of pleasure for their family, for their gardens. And that's also the purpose of the senior men in the church, to be mentors and coaches for the young ladies and the young boys in the church, to teach them how to work in the garden, how to walk in the garden. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, Adam was created to operate under the divine authority of God. He was not created to live autonomously. This means that man was created to take direction from the Lord. Amen. Take direction from the Lord. I will skip some of the slides because of, of time. In uh, Exodus 34 verse 23, men, three times in the year, your men shall appear before the Lord Jehovah, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither shall any man desire your land when you shall go up to appear before Jehovah your God three times in the year. That's in the Old Testament. Three times was the minimum. For us, it's every Sunday. It's every Wednesday. When you, when you, when you appear before the Lord, there's, there's a reward, there's a benefit. Number one, He will enlarge your borders. Amen. And neither shall any man desire your land. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, three times, as I said, in our case, it's more than three times. He will enlarge the territory. God says there are benefits when men submit to his rule and his authority. There's benefits. There's benefits. Amen. Hallelujah. We are called to be people of conviction, not conformity, of moral nobility, not social respectability. We are commanded to live differently and according to a higher loyalty. Amen. This was my life. This is your life. Before you accepted Jesus Christ. But now when you accepted Jesus Christ, he's the, he's the main. He fills your whole life. The thing is to understand myself, to see what God really wants me to do. The thing is to find the truth which is true for me. To find the idea for which I can live and die. 
Do you have purpose in your life? Amen. Hallelujah. This is the true joy of life. Being used for purpose and a mighty one. My life belongs to the whole community. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. Life is a sort of splendid torch. I want to make it burn as bright as possible before handing it to the future generations. There will come a time when you need to hand over the torch. Amen. But what will be the quality of the torch that you're going to hand over? Will it burn? Or will you hand over the torch without paraffin in, with, without energy in, without a flame? Amen. Amen. A father should develop and demonstrate moral authority. I explained that to you. It is also midnight within the moral order. Martin Luther King. At midnight, color lose their distinctiveness and become a sullen shade of gray. Moral principles have lost their distinctiveness. For modern men, absolute right and absolute wrong are a matter of what the majority is doing. Do not conform to this world. There's a higher standard for us as men. Amen. When, when temptation comes to you, just filter it through the Bible, through the Word of God. Amen. The Father must be saturated by the Word, so the Word is the filter of all His de decisions. The Holy Spirit writes the moral code in His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You see, we tend to look at behavior. In the old Pentecostal era, I came from the old Pentecostal era, we prayed for people. It was just the fruit. There was no proper root cause analysis. Amen. It's the root. It's not the fruit. It's not about the behavior. You start here by the Spirit. The Spirit will determine your values. It will also determine your emotions. And if your Spirit is right, if you are a child of the living God, your decisions will be in sync with the Bible and your behavior will just follow what is in your Spirit. So as men, we need to be Spirit-filled. Know that nothing good can happen without the Spirit. Orientate your life from the presence and control of the Spirit. Let the Spirit renew you from the inside out and obey the Spirit so that the Spirit can renew the, the, the world through you. Your actions are synchronized with a purified conscience. Let me skip some of this. We've, we've discussed the moral. Are you willing to say no? Are you willing to avoid certain things? What is there in your life? What is, there, what is the things that confront you, that will confront you tomorrow, that you are willing to say no to and avoid as a man? I avoid, there's a lot of things. And you can add. You can add. Avoid the power addiction, pornography, an excessive standard of living, the trap of individualism, fired on by capitalism, and you can, you can add. Moral scrutiny safeguards moral authority. Amen. Let's go to a father confers identity. Fathers should understand and live a tale of two identities. Avoid identity confusion. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of confusion. Filter the past. Choose an 
inculcate the right family values. Select the family friends with the right DNA. Amen. We tend to tell our, our children, no, you cannot play with Sunny. You cannot play with Kursi. But what about your friends? What about your friends? Do they have the right DNA to, to, to influence you, to add value to you? Help children to make the right choices and guide the family mission. That is just identity. And there's just a, a scripture. But you are chosen people. We are chosen people. We are royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. That is who we are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Other translations. We are sons of God. And we are not just technon sons. We are we are sons. We are placed. We are adopted. We are mature sons. Amen. Tilios means mature. We are weos. A child is born. And a son is given. And the government is on his shoulder. There's a lot of orphans that dictate to us what to do. We need to have the spirit of sonship. Father, into your hands I give my spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, it was the spirit of the Son that enters into the world. So you are filled with a sonship spirit. You are a real son. You are placed in the kingdom of God. You inherit with Jesus. And God is your father. That's your identity. Your primal identity, I'm a Christian. Yes, somebody say, I'm, I'm, yes, some people say you're a Christian. But I want to rephrase that you are actually a son of the Most High God. And I want to, 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 to give you another status. You are a firstborn son of the Most High God. You are a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Hallelujah. You are high up there. Your secondary identity. You are a man with a past, a present, and a future. The tendency of most is to adapt a view that is so vague and unclear that it will include everything and so popular that it will include everybody. Identity confusion is forced identity by parents. I tried to force my son to become an auditor. I sent him to, to, to England for that two years um, work visa and he came back and he enrolled at the university and after three years he said daddy i don't want to be an auditor you told me to go to the university to study as an auditor because you work in the bank and i asked him what do you want to do he said i want to be an it and now he's successful yes we need to guide our our kids but we must also give them the leeway we cannot force our identity on them peer pressure in teenagers it's huge it's huge Forced identity by the father and society pressured identity. This is society, the norm outside. Okay? Leaders struggle to trust and connect with people emotionally because of an identity crisis. They operate within an orphan spirit. So when you operate in an orphan spirit, you transfer an orphan spirit on your congregation. That's why it's very important. Do not allow anybody just to lay hands on your kids or on your wife. Be selective because they can transfer spirit. Hi. Is that true? Of course. 
Leaders feel they are not good enough because of the orphan spirit. Leaders are aggressively defensive when criticized. This is the symptoms of neglect of establishing sound moral authority. If there's no authority in your house, this is the result. Maybe you sit with this wound. That's the father wound. I struggle to submit to absolute norms. I do not like to be held accountable, and the list goes on. I just want to highlight a few. I do not own responsibility easy. I struggle to listen to and to obey, to, to obey my conscience because there was no authority figure in my life. I struggle to submit. Yeah, I, I, I struggle to stand under authority. You always one that um, uh, rebels, and I find it difficult to respect superiors, and the list goes on and on and on. That's the father wounds. Symptoms of neglect of conferring identity. I don't know where I belong. And that was my problem. I had to force my way in the apartheid era as a bank manager. I was the first colored postmaster in Narval. I had to force my way. There was nobody that affirms me. I struggle with an identity crisis. I don't know my unique significance. I drift in an anchorless boat. I'm plagued by insecurities. I mask my real self and adopt a different identity that will be accepted. You put on a facade. And my question tonight is, is that the real you who's sitting there? Is that the real you? I do not have a, a clear set of values that I live by. Emotional security, neglect of emotional security. I'm not sure if people really accept or love me. So you, you perform. Because there was no affirmation. There was no security. Nothing in your life. I'm pestered by uh, uh, huge bouts of shame and fear. I have a negative approach to most things in life. You are just pessimistic. Everything is just, is just dark in, in your life because of the neglect of emotional security. You know, when a father is in his rightful position in the house, there's security. My wife can sleep. I will close the windows. If the dogs bark outside, I will not wake my wife and say, go look out of the window. <laughs> when she was still a school teacher, it was my responsibility on a Sunday to look at the tires of the car, the oil and the fuel. Hello. My sons, when they grew up, they were 21, 22, and I still, when they go out in the evening, I, I asked them, don't you guys want to take a jersey? Then I wait for them, one o'clock, two o'clock. When they come in, I ask them, are you hungry? They say, Daddy, I'm a big man. <laughs> That's security. Symptoms of neglect of affirmation. I don't know what my real value is. I do not feel I have any contribution to make. Okay, I don't understand the significance of the specific phase of my life. You see, there's a, there's a phase one and there's a half time and there's a second half. I'm in the second half of my life. Most of you guys are in the first half. That's the bling bling. That's the GTI. 
That's the earrings. That's the five cell phones and the credit card without money in. Okay. And the BMW, so daddy's BMW. Amen. You're still in that space. Then you reach halftime when Liverpool play against Man United. You assess the first half. And when you move into your second half, there's no way that you can fail. So in the first half, you, 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 you need to plan for retirement. You need to look at your life. Yes, you can buy the bling-blings. But when you reach my age, it's not about the bling-bling. But what can I do? I'm in the afterglow phase of my life. Read the book of Robert Clinton. I'm in the last phase of my life. It's not about money. I'm doing everything that I'm doing for free. I'm traveling through the country. I'm not asking people for any money. I'm using my pension money even to pay electricity in some places where I go. I pay for, uh, for, for coffee and tea. I'm doing it because I want to impart something in the lives of other people. Are you a millionaire? No, I'm not rich. I don't know the methodology of God, but he supports me. Okay. How many minutes, my dear? Ten. We need to heal the father wound. And it's left by that, that void in your life. You need to own the problem. You, you see, I own that problem after 50 years. I forgive the person. I step into inner victory and I walk together. I can stand in front of you. I'm no longer an orphan. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son of the living God. I own that problem. It was not my father's problem. It was my problem. I was the man. I was the senior guy. I preached on the radio. I preached for people. But it was my responsibility to pursue my father. Hello? It's your responsibility to pursue your father. Amen. I will tell you my story at, at the end before we conclude. We invest our sons. Listen. With marketplace competence but not moral conviction. We train them for the marketplace. We help our sons to become socially successful, but not spiritually significant. We, we can help them in their careers, but we ne neglect the spiritual side. Amen. A process that determines the behavior. What information is there? That, that you receive. What is your value system? This is your filter. That is your rational thinking. And this is your irrational thinking, right or wrong. That is your mind. What is going into your mind? And that determines your uh, decisions. Self-empowering or self-destructive. And that determines your behavior. You see the importance of value systems. And it's not the mother. It's the father. You must set the value system, the standard, the principles in your house. I'm the man in my house. Amen. I set the dates. My wife's cell phone is in sync with my calendar. If you take a calendar, you will see there, um, 1,800 hours, uh, every nation church. Tomorrow morning, exactly what I'm going to do. I set the standard. I set the values in my house. Yes, I consult with my wife. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Select family friends with the right DNA. Hello? You cannot allow anybody in your house 
die breifleise van vrijdag aan, wat jy sommer net tommies van die straat af nooi, nou is, that is over, they transfer a nymph spirit in your house, there's confusion when they leave your house, some ladies even invite their friends into the bedroom, and they transfer spirit in your bedroom, and there's problems, with your sexual life, and your husband will leave you for that lady. Do not allow, accept your family in your bedroom. You need to get rid of some of your friends. They are not the right DNA. You need to delink yourself from couples that do not add value to your life. Yeah, but I must evangelize. You must evangelize them. <laughs> of course you must evangelize them. But do not allow them in, in this space. There's a space. Can you give me can you give me extra five minutes? Can I? Okay, okay. Your, your choices, the culture and the values and your decisions, there's consequences. There's consequences. What makes a choice a good or bad choice? The value of learning from your mistakes. There are certain choices that your children must make by themselves. So you must also allow them. Just go out. You don't want to listen? Just play. Your mission statement is also a choice. What is your mission statement for your family? Do you have a mission statement? We all work in the corporate environment and we set every year strategic planning, values and visions and mission statement. Where is the mission statement for your family? I'm just asking. Don't raise your hands. Your mission statement says exactly who you are. And, and is, it may be the strongest communicator or your identity if it is left out. A father should facilitate the choice of a family mission statement. It's your responsibility. I'm nearly done, my dear. A father provides security. Your wife, she must feel safe. Create the environment of love in your house. I kiss my wife in front of my kids. I know there's some traditions that say no. During the apartheid era, I worked for NetBank in, in Johannesburg. It was way back in those days. And my wife is white, ek is donkergroen. So, now she's, she's, she's from Namakulan, but she's white in texture, but I'm donkergroen. So, in the middle of Johannesburg, I bought a bouquet of flowers. And I ran to Jackie and I kissed Jackie in the middle of the street and everybody was just, even the taxi stop. <laughs> so if you want the taxis to stop, kiss your wife. What is wrong? Take the hand of your, of your wife. She's not blind. Amen. It's something that you need to do. Emotional stability and communication. Communication is a big thing. You need to communicate, constantly communicate, communicate. Okay, that's the scriptures. You can read the scriptures, uh, uh, Psalm 27 and Proverbs 18. You create an environment of love. You create the environment of love, not the wife. It's you. God is love. He initiated and he sent his son. He sacrificed for our sins and he communicates uh, uh, intimately. And there's no fear in love. Most houses... In Windhoek, there's fear tonight. It was weekend. As dear my car. There's, there's fear. 
every Saturday morning when we woke up, my wife and myself, we say, thank you, Lord. If I look at your wife, I can see this fear. She's the window of your house. You see, when you get married to your wife, they will not call her Jackie. It's Nikki's wife. That's a new name. Did you see Pastor Nick's wife in the street? She's the window of my house. So if you, get, uh, if you give stress to your wife, if there's fear in your, uh, in your house, it will reflect on your, on your spouse. Amen. Amen. Love their mother. If you want your sons to be models out there, love their mother. Love, love your sons unconditionally and love them equally. Last, father affirms potential. Importance of affirmation. Look, daddy, look. Opa cake, opa cake. My grandson, opa cake. You know, when it is his time, I've got two hours every second day for Nicholas. And when Jackie wants to talk to me or if I want to look at something on my iPad of, or iPhone, he said, Opa, lost, leave it. Leave, it's my time. We must play. Affirm according to the needs of the season. When you attend my seminar, I will take you through the seasons in the life of a child. Affirm each child according to his, her gifts and talents. Not one size fits all. <laughs> Affirm Confirm gender identity. It's your responsibility, not the, not the government's responsibility to confirm that. Affirm with the right, right of passage. Okay? Say, I am strong. I am strong. Say, I am smart. I am smart. Say, I work hard. I work hard. Say, I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am respectful. I am respectful. Yes. Say, I'm not better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. Nobody's better than me. No one's better than me. I am amazing. I am amazing. I am great. I am great. What's your name? Aaliyah Austin. If you fall, I get back up. What are you? I'm blessed. Yes. Say thank you, God. Thank you, God. For making me. For making me. The greatest. The greatest. There's nobody. There's nobody. Better. Better. Than me. Than me. All right, you five. Amen. Isn't that beautiful, eh? <laughs> Amen. Let me con conclude. The gender identity, Father, should. Constantly, constantly affirm, confirm the uniqueness of the gender of his children. Girls should be validated for their femininity and boys for their masculinity. Do not confuse the identity. And then we suggest two ceremonies between 12 and 14 years, release into young adulthood, bar bat mitzvah, and then 21 years released into adulthood. So you can have a special occasion for your son and your daughter. Your children will become what you are. So be what you want them to be. I think I need to conclude with, with this. I want you to, to look at this 
at this story and just pay close attention. My apologies for going over the time. Please, my apologies. I, I, I do respect the protocol in the house. My, my question tonight, every time I'm watching this, I can relate. How many young guys are there who pull the hamstring in the journey of life? And there's no one willing to push through the crowd to help him. How many young guys lying in the streets in Komasdal in Auckland Park pull the hamstring? They try to, to block the father, but he said, it's my son. I cannot leave him. He must finish the race. And just before the finish line, 
let go. As I said, I grew up without my father. I reconciled with my father at the age of 50. He was lying on his, on his sick bed. He had cancer. I spoke with him other times as well, but not as father's son. So I walked into the room and I took his hand. He could not speak. And for the first time in my life, I said to a man, I am your son. I love you. After 50 years, and I was that guy with the hamstring. He could not speak. He was just crying. And I asked him a lot of things. Why didn't you marry my mom? Why didn't you support me? He was just crying. And then I left the room and I went to Auntie's Bay. And a week after that, they called me and said, he's in the hospital. The doctor said, he's not going to make it. And I rushed to his bed. And for eight hours, there's my wife. I stood at the bed of the man who rejected me. For eight hours, I took his hands on a Saturday evening, 5 to 12, Pastor Chris. And I prayed for the first time in my life for my father. And when I said, Amen, he died with the voice of the son that he rejected in his ears. When I took a decision that night, I said to the people that I'm going to bury my own father. I used the word my own father. All of a sudden, there was a deep love for this man. And I buried my own father. It was one of the, one of the best funerals in Naraval. And after a year, I unveiled this tombstone. What is my biggest regret? I was supposed to pursue him. Pastor Chris, I was the man. I was the big shot. She knows I worked in the bank. I was this man. But I, I, I was supposed. You know, I miss my father now. I love him now, but he's not there. And then I took a stand. You can ask my wife. I took his picture. And for one year, the picture of my father was standing. When you opened my door, my front door, there was the picture of my father. And my sons said, how can you put the picture of, of, of quit there? He rejected you. But it was a statement. And now I can stand in front of you. I'm free. Amen. Can we all stand? Maybe you, you sit with that father wound. Maybe you operate in that orphan spirit. Maybe you are the man with the hamstring. I don't know you. But there's hope. I want to reveal to you tonight the heart of the Father. And He wants to embrace you tonight. And young men, young daughter, pursue your father. If he's still alive, go to him. Reconcile. We need you, man. But we cannot go to war with you if there's wounds in your heart. We want soldiers. We want fighters. Men that can fight for their family, for their friends. We need you. We want you to take off the mask tonight. I want to see the real you. 
this is the real Nikki. A couple of years ago, there was a mask of perfectionist of this man. But now, I'm just a servant. I'm just a son. Father, we stand here tonight as, as men and women that need you more than ever before. There's a huge demand on our family lives. God, raise up the men in this church tonight. I call forth the we of sons, the priest, the king, and the prophet in them. Father, we want to restore the family life, the family unit. We want to restore our communities. And tonight, enough is enough. We will deal with the orphan spirit, that spirit of insecurity, of confusion. I pray tonight, God, that you will fill us with your love, the Father's love. Embrace us tonight, the Father's embrace. We need you, God, more than ever before. There's a lot of people standing here tonight. You know their hearts. I pray, God, that they will start the process of inner healing tonight. That they will go to men in this church, spiritual fathers, to their fathers, to friends. That can help them in this journey that will push through the crowd and raise them up as men, as men and women of God. Some of them are abused. I pray, God, that you will heal them tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. A deep inner healing. There's a cry in our spirit. Deep is calling unto deep. We need you, God. We need you. We need you, God. As men, we need you. Sometimes, God, we cannot cope with the pressure outside. It's too much. We need your power, God. We need your love, God. We need your guidance. Some men are standing there here, God. Maybe they feel, they feel tonight that insecurity, the deep hurt in their spirit, in their soul. I pray for revival tonight. I pray for a total reformation. A structural adjustment in their lives. I reposition them in the spirit tonight. I place them in their position. I align them. I pray your blessing upon the spiritual leaders in this house. From tonight forward, God, the men in this church will form groups. They will look after each other. They will yelp. The guys with the hamstring, they pull the hamstrings. They will help them to the finishing line and leave them to finish the race. I pray your blessing upon your sons and your daughters and the spiritual leaders in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.